Blog Talk Radio. Hello to everyone out there. My name is Dr. My name is Dr. Joe Servant. I'm editor in chief of epilepsy.com and welcome to Hallway Conversations where we explore issues relating to seizures and epilepsy in everyday life. Today is Friday, May the 4th. Oh, my goodness, it's a Star Wars thing, Uh, 2018. And uh, we are going to be talking with a friend to this program, and that is uh, Rosemary Cabal. She is team lead for the epilepsy work from the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, or the CDC. And recently, they published a study that looked at active epilepsy and seizure control in the United States in the years 2013 and 2015. Uh, Rosemary has been on our podcast before when she's talked about epilepsy numbers, so I'm just delighted that she is back. And, Rosemary, it's a pleasure to have you on Hallway Conversations. Thank you, Joe. I'm delighted to be here, and uh, may the 4th be with you and all of our listeners on on this May 4th, uh, uh, 2018 date. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So, so Rosemary, I know that I, you've been uh, here before, but to perhaps our uninitiated listeners, can you tell us about your current work and role in the world of epilepsy uh, as it stands so they know the context from where you speak? Sure. Uh, So I'm a behavioral scientist, and I've worked with the CDC Epilepsy Program in different roles for about 18 years, um, but most recently serving as the the program lead or the team lead, as we call it, um, since 2012. I've led efforts to expand surveillance of epilepsy in the U.S. with our team here, And I developed and lead the Managing Epilepsy Well Network, whose aim is to advance epilepsy self-management research. And I've also had the great privilege of working with the National Epilepsy Foundation team on numerous public awareness activities and on uh, multiple initiatives aimed at improving programs and services for people with epilepsy. And I've served on a a bunch of professional advisory boards of epilepsy-focused organizations. That's wonderful. And and we appreciate all this uh, terrific service you provide. I know you are with the CDC. Can you tell us about the CDC's involvement in the epilepsy community? Also, again, for those that might be uninitiated to the work. Yes, so uh, listeners might be surprised to learn that CDC has worked with the epilepsy community since 1994. We actually convened our first meeting with epilepsy partners uh, way back in September of 1994 to discuss uh, public health priorities for epilepsy. And later in 1997 and 2003, CDC supported two national conferences on public health and epilepsy which in part guided many of our epilepsy program activities aimed at improving public awareness and understanding of epilepsy, expanding research studies of epilepsy prevalence and incidence in communities throughout the U.S., and uh, advancing self-management research to help people with epilepsy better manage their condition and improve their quality of life. 
And as I mentioned, we've actually collaborated with the National Epilepsy Foundation for over two decades to educate professionals and the public about epilepsy and its treatment. And CDC and EF have developed numerous resources to support people with epilepsy and their families as they navigate their epilepsy care. Um, and most recently, CDC was a sponsor of the Institute of Medicine's report on the public health dimensions of the epilepsies, uh, which aimed uh, uh, at prioritizing public health action on epilepsy. That's fantastic. Again, uh, thank you for all of that reminder. Even though I've heard this uh, in other occasions, it's always wonderful to hear uh, the support that we get in understanding and helping the larger community. Well, there are uh, a paper that just came out, and uh, I, I was wondering if you could kind of guide us about the latest published findings on epilepsy in the U.S. that came out from you and other members of your team. Definitely. Um, so using the latest data available, we wanted to examine epilepsy prevalence over time. We wanted to see how many adults with epilepsy had their seizures under control and whether adults with epilepsy, especially those with uncontrolled seizures, saw an epilepsy specialist. So we found that during 2013 and 2015, the annual prevalence of active epilepsy was 1.1%, uh, and that represents about 2.6 million U.S. adults uh, living with epilepsy. And um, that was significantly higher in 2015 than in 2013. So in other words, there are about 724,000 more cases identified from 2013 to 2015. Uh, we also found that among the 2.6 million U.S. adults with active epilepsy, 67% saw a neurologist or an epilepsy specialist in the past year, and uh, the majority, about 90%, reported taking epilepsy medication. But among those taking epilepsy medication, only 44% reported having their seizures controlled. Oh, wow. How, how, did, how are these numbers estimated. How do you get at? So we combined two years of data from the 2013 and 2015 National Health Interview Survey, otherwise known as NHIS for short. And the NHIS is a nationally representative survey of community-dwelling adults in the United States. And we identified cases of active epilepsy among adults with three questions. The first is, have you ever been told by a doctor or other health professional that you have a seizure disorder or epilepsy? The second question asks, asks participants, are you currently taking any medicine to control your seizure disorder or epilepsy? And the third question asks about how many seizures of any type have you had in, this, in the past year before the interview? And just for researchers uh, who may be listening, these questions have been validated for use on, on this survey. Um, then we classified adults who reported no seizures in the past year as being controlled, and we classified adults who reported one or more seizures in the past year as being uncontrolled. Our sample sizes for active epilepsy for both 2013 and 2015 included about 400 adults in each year, and we uh, age-adjusted in our analysis, so we controlled for age um, for all of our outcomes. 
can uh, so at least gives us a good snapshot of what's going on in the uh, in in the U.S., which I think is huge. What you know, I know you kind of gave us one of the conclusions, but maybe just review what were the main conclusions, and to you specifically, were there any surprises? Yeah, so again, we, we found that among adults uh, taking medication, only 44% of adults had their seizures controlled, meaning that 56% of adults with epilepsy on medication still had at least one seizure in the past year or, or were uncontrolled. Um, adults with uncontrolled seizures were more likely to live in low-income families. They were more likely to be unemployed or be unmarried, widowed, or divorced. Um, we also found that one out of three adults with epilepsy, you know, did not see an epilepsy specialist in the past year. Uh, interestingly, there were no differences in the percentages of adults with uncontrolled seizures who did or did not see an epilepsy specialist, but use of epilepsy medication was higher among those who saw an epilepsy specialist in the past year. So overall, we were somewhat surprised to find that more than half of adults with active epilepsy, had uncontrolled seizures in the past year, even while taking medicine. Wow. Wow. And I guess that's a discussion for another day uh, in terms of delving into that. How, how yeah. in a way you've been, how do these numbers vary from what our prevailing thinking is? How did it shift our, our you know, what, what we think about where things are going at this moment? Well, these numbers um, do differ from uh, numbers from clinical studies. So as you know, Joe, um, findings from clinical studies suggest that about 30 to 40 percent of people with epilepsy have uh, uncontrolled seizures. But it's important to point out that we can't really compare clinical studies with, uh, with this type of study or a population-based study because the underlying samples fundamentally differ. So it's a little bit like comparing, you know, apples and oranges. Uh, in clinical studies, the reference period for assessing uh, seizure frequency might, you know, have might differ from our own. Again, we looked at seizure frequency over 12 months. Uh, another study might uh, have used a different approach, looking at seizure frequency over, you know, over three months or even five years. Uh, the underlying samples might differ as well. Uh, for example, clinical studies often include all patients with epilepsy in their denominator. In our study, we included only those with active epilepsy on medication uh, in our denominator. So if we included both adults with active epilepsy uh, and those in, in remission or for whom epilepsy has resolved, in other words, those who have no seizures uh, in the past year and, and were not taking you know, any medication in our denominator, our, our percentages would have been about 63% who are controlled or about 40% obviously who are uncontrolled, so closer to findings from clinical studies. So again, it all sort of depends on, on that denominator. Um, but we thought it was important to focus on the subgroup of adults currently under treatment with medication and, and with active symptoms. Sure, that makes perfect sense. When you know, I know that nothing is perfect, but what are the main limitations, uh, if you had to say uh, about this uh, study, uh, uh, that you would want to make sure people understand as a footnote or asterisk? 
Well, these findings are based on self-reported data, so that's certainly one main limitation. It, it's certainly possible that people misunderstood the questions uh, and answered them incorrectly. A second limitation is, is that the study excluded institutionalized adults who may be older or developmentally disabled. Um, so it's likely that we missed these individuals with epilepsy, underestimating some of our estimates. Uh, the surveys did not objectively measure medication adherence or seizure frequency. Uh, we do have a somewhat low response rate um, at about 60%. Um, and the finding that, that uh, there weren't any differences in seizure frequency by seeing a specialist could be due to the likelihood that people with more severe epilepsy and uncontrolled seizures are indeed more likely to see an epilepsy specialist because they need that higher level of care. So I think those are our main study limitations. So how will these numbers be used in the future? So our epilepsy program collected data on epilepsy prevalence on the 2017 National Health Interview Survey. So we do plan to take a look at the findings from 2017 uh, data when those data are available. They're not publicly or they're not available to us yet. But we do plan to look at those findings and compare them to prior years to see if there are any differences uh, in, in, in prevalence or in, in patterns related to um, taking medication and, and seeing uh, epilepsy specialists over time. And we hope that the numbers will be used by our partners, such as the Epilepsy Foundation and the American Epilepsy Society, to help plan for and ensure that programs based on evidence and, and high-quality health and social services are in place. Then persons with epilepsy will have the health care and support that they need. That is wonderful. I guess in our last moment or so, uh, what would you say is the main take-home message that you want our listeners to walk away from our conversation and this study in particular today? Well, we certainly hope that people with epilepsy talk to their doctors to ensure that they're getting the best treatment to control their seizures. Um, they can certainly go to the Epilepsy Foundation website to find an epilepsy specialist in their community or, or at least uh, close by. Um, for those who can, people with epilepsy should learn more about the things that they can do every day on their own to better control their seizures, uh, like taking medications as prescribed, reducing stress, getting uh, uh, enough good sleep. And we also hope that physicians and other providers uh, ensure that people with epilepsy understand their condition and, and their different treatment options and, and ways to manage their disorder. And we encourage listeners to visit the CD, CDC Epilepsy Program website at, at cdc.gov epilepsy to learn more about available programs and resources for people with epilepsy, for their friends and families, and, and for community groups and providers who serve them. That is fantastic. Rosemary, it's such a pleasure to have you on our podcast. I hope that as other studies come out, we can count on you and your team to kind of join us and guide us through explaining uh, these numbers, which are so vital to our understanding of where we're at. I really, We really appreciate it. 
Well, thank you, Joe. We appreciate the opportunity to talk about our studies and, and to connect with uh, with our listeners and um, and the public. So thank you. We'd be happy to come back. Thanks so much. To everyone out there, we've been talking to Rosemarie Cabal. She is the epilepsy team lead uh, with the U.S. Centers of Disease Control and Prevention. She's been talking to us about the latest CDC epilepsy report entitled Active Epilepsy and Seizure Controls. As always, uh, we're very excited to kind of hear where are the snapshots of of epilepsy practice in the United States, and it looks like we have a lot more work that we need to do to help folks. Uh, To everyone out there, I hope you've enjoyed this. I hope you join us in the future. And as always, check out any part of epilepsy.com. Thanks so much for listening today, and have a great day. Thanks again.